Okay, on this week's Bet the Process podcast, we'll be talking about all the things that we got wrong last week, and that was a lot in college and not as much in the pros. We'll be identifying another NFL hmm, long shot that has some surprising value. We'll be doing our super contest picks again, hoping to best our 2-2-1 from last week. And we're going to be doing survivor picks. We'll even give Rufus a lifeline because his survivor pick didn't survive last week. Sorry. So <laughs> so with that, let's start the process. Welcome to episode four of the Bet the Process podcast, where two ex-ESPN predictive analytics experts try to make interesting gambling content in a world which is um, deficient of interesting gambling content. So like always, we're going to start with This Week in Futures. And as always, I'm joined by Rufus Peabody, who is um, one of the best out there in betting. Although you would not have known it from his college picks that we talked about last week, uh, just jumping into it, we had Stanford plus six, who lost by uh, 18 to USC. What did we learn about USC, and have they moved up at all in your futures ratings? What up, what up, what up? Um, <laughs> Jeff, I feel like you don't have enough energy, so I have to bring a little bit of energy to this podcast. Uh, Got it. But yes, USC has definitely jumped up. They played a great game against Stanford. Um, I'm going to look at my game grades and tell you exactly where they graded, but it was pretty high. I have way too many tabs open on my computer also. We're going to have to Problems. design software because it's really good radio when you don't say <laughs> crap up on your on your computer. It's so true. They were but, number 2 I yeah, think. The number 2. Yes, they were number yeah. they were the number 2 graded team. Uh, they basically I would have had them uh, as a well based on how they played they would have beaten an average team on a neutral field by 27 points. And yeah, they move up a lot in my futures as well. So we're, I guess what, suffice what you, to say we were I was wrong there, and you were wrong you, if you listened to me. And you also <laughs> liked Ohio State minus seven and a half, who lost outright at home to Oklahoma. Where do you feel about them? Is the season done for the Buckeyes? No, I don't think the season's done one bit. Ohio State has a very easy schedule the rest of the way. They really only have two tough games left. They host Michigan, I believe. No, they go to Michigan, where they would be about a seven-point favorite, and they host Penn State, where they'd be about a 10-point favorite, according to the Massey Peabody numbers. And basically, everything besides that's a cakewalk. They've also, and their loss to Oklahoma, obviously, is not a Big Ten loss. So it's very reasonable to say uh, that they could run the table and win the Big Ten. They'd probably so play they're- Wisconsin, in the Big Ten Championship. If a one-loss Big Ten team that wins the Big Ten Championship is not getting left out of the playoff, like, there's no way. And there's a, I have a 41% chance, I believe, that they get, that they make it to, well, they, they go the regular rest of the regular season without losing another game. So they're at 10 to 1 right now in terms of win the national championship. What do you have them at for their chance to win the national championship? Is there value there? Um, I, I think there's maybe a touch of value. I have them at ten and a half to one, but not. I mean, 
obviously, if, if, if you took my advice and played him at plus 450 last week, you, you have a negative EV bet there, but, you know, can't well, win them all, It happens. Right? <laughs> yeah, it happens. Uh, in terms of what you just said was interesting, you think that they would actually be a seven-point favorite if they went into Michigan? Uh, based on the based on the ratings right now, I, I'm pretty low on Michigan, to be honest. Okay. So you still see them as having value, which is pretty interesting. Uh, generally, like, how do you... Sorry, go ahead. I mean, I think the, th- the thing is this. Like, people love reacting to... Overreacting, I think, to one-game samples. And Cade wrote a piece for the Washington Post this week about Ohio State. It was about the Ohio State-Oklahoma game and sort of the ramifications for Ohio State. And I, I read the comments at the bottom, and people were like, like, basically, oh, Ohio State season's over, blah, blah, blah. It's... So, like you have these massive overreactions, and I think that even in the NFL, New England lost to Kansas City. But I mean, are people saying, "Oh, New England season's over," or that Kansas City is the better team? I mean, I hope not. Well, do you still have? And we'll touch upon this later. We'll go into to the NFL and the power ratings and how those have changed for you. But I want to just touch upon a, a couple of interesting college games this week, just to see where you see some value. Certainly. Uh, Clemson, uh, a marquee game uh, going into Louisville. Uh, Clemson's a team that we've talked about on this pod as as you having pretty highly rated, maybe under um, maybe under modeling the amount of value that losing Deshaun Watson had. Um, you have that at three. You said, yeah, I do. And you're right. Like th- my model is definitely not perfect. It is fallible, and there's things that it doesn't account for, like how good a quarterback Deshaun Watson is or was, and maybe how good Lamar. Uh, Jackson is now maybe he's improved some maybe you know like that whole idea it was very interesting because Lamar Jackson going into this year I think was as as high as 10 to 1 to win the Heisman and a lot of that was probably this idea of you know he trailed off at the end of last year and repeating as Heisman has really only been done once Um, this you know is is this a situation now um, where all of a sudden now he's now the favorite to win the Heisman so it's interesting because it seems like maybe there is some momentum that Louisville was a bit underrated. Uh, maybe there is some value on Louisville, even though from a pure analytical system standpoint, there isn't any value. That is the correct line. So I think that's one of the interesting Wait, what things. Do you, what do you like, mean? It's the correct... Uh, you mean the Clemson-Louisville game? Yeah, you have them. You said you have them at three, right? Oh, four and a half. I mean, I, sorry, I have Clemson as the number three team in the country. I have, oh, okay, I have, the, line, I have the line at four and a half. Yeah. So you actually think there's a little bit, tiny bit of value on Clemson, if anything. Yeah, but the funny thing is, I actually think there's value. I was looking through the futures odds, and I think there's a little bit of value in Louisville to win it all. So I think these are two, both teams that I have a li- that I think are a little underrated. So generally, that would be a stay away game for you. Not enough value on Clemson, and certainly for a little sure. bit of a little bit of uh, appreciation of Louisville as an underrated team. Um, yeah, an interesting Jeff, game. Jeff, back, oh, sorry, back to the Deshaun Watson talk, and and the fact that my model doesn't account for that. The interesting thing is, you would. I mean, since I know my model's been back tested. I know it, like, and I've bet it myself. Forward betting—I don't even know what you want to call that—but I know it's performed well. And you would think that you know there'd be situations where you could say, okay, the model isn't going to account for this correctly, so I shouldn't bet this. But I, I really think in those situations, a lot of the time, the mark, the there is value because the market is overreacting to something. Like, certainly, my number might not be exactly correct, but that doesn't mean the market is correct exactly correct either. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fascinating subject that we will slightly tackle a little bit later in this podcast, which is this idea 
of, of really where does value come from? Like if everyone has the same information, like where does the value actually come from? And back in the day, a lot of value in sports betting came from information asymmetry, right? There's like just people just didn't know. But with the internet, certainly, and like with all the different types of ways we can get information, I don't think that's quite as true anymore. Um, let's move into this Oklahoma State Pittsburgh game because we have talked a lot about Oklahoma State on this pod as being a team that that your numbers don't think are very good uh, not not necessarily not very good but certainly not as darling as some of the people that the market um, is now saying like, as a dark horse national champion that kind of thing you you definitely didn't give them that kind of shot they've performed really well so far this season and they go into Pittsburgh as a 13 and a half point favorite that line was much lower earlier in the week has gone to 13 and a half and I believe that you see some value in Pittsburgh. Is that true? I do. It, it actually got as high as 14 at one point. But I, I, you know, I think I might be low on Oklahoma State partially is because they also have a very good quarterback in uh, Mason Rudolph. Rudolph? I don't even know how to Rudolph. say his last name. Rudolph. You don't know how to say Rudolph? Like <laughs> well, I mean, there was, a guy named, Rudolph. there was a guy named Rudolph, I feel like, in some sport somewhere so at some point. It's that, not that you don't know how to say his name. It's that you don't know what his name is. <laughs> Maybe that's it. It's it's hard okay. to watch these games in Croatia when they're at three a.m. But luckily, right. my First value doesn't come from watching. But yes, right. uh, but Pittsburgh, I, I'm a lot higher on Pittsburgh than the market as well, and I'm lower on Oklahoma State. And I think the line's five, and I, I it's very rare you see a game where I feel like where I'm nine points off the market. And you know, if you said, "Hey, Rufus, do you want to take Pittsburgh plus seven? I would say, "Hell no." Um, I don't think my number's perfect or anything, but I still am. Definitely going to unload on Pittsburgh, or already have it, plus fourteen. <laughs> and plus Pittsburgh, 14. Pittsburgh rated out as. I assume half. you like them at thirteen and a half, then, right? right. And, and you're right. They're coming off of yes, for sure. They're coming off a, a loss to Penn State, but I think that's kind of deceptive. Penn State's a really good team, and actually, Pittsburgh graded out as the best team that lost last week. They yeah, lost they by lost. nineteen. But, sorry. It was very. It was a very misleading nineteen point loss for sure. Well, and it's a 19-point loss against a good team, and I believe it was on the road. Is, am I correct on that? Uh, no, I th- uh, I'm not sure. It, well, neither am I. I don't. I just look at what my numbers say. My, my numbers know, but I don't know. Right. Okay. Any other college uh, games that you're looking at with some value that you want to talk about? Um, I mean, there's a lot of other college games that that ha- have or had value. Uh, I like. I mean, but they're they're kind of boring games, like Iowa State and Akron. I assume you like Akron there. No, I like laying the points. Oh, you like what's laying the, the what's points. What's the number there now? Uh, I don't know what it is half. off the top of my head. I got it nine and a half. I'm pretty sure it's probably like a lot higher I than think that. It's, I don't think it's that much higher than that. Ten, I think it's only like ten, ten and a half. Okay, I mean, yeah, that's another one I show a ton of value on, where I have Iowa State as like a twenty-two point favorite. Now, once again, I don't. Here's the thing: I don't actually account for the games against Division F. Well, I, I still call it one AA, but FBS teams. And Akron, I think, had a blowout win against an FBS team, and I don't know that. My model doesn't really know that. So, but then again, like last week or two weeks ago, UNLV lost to Howard in the biggest upset in college football history, or whatever it was. And then they came. Then then they come back and win. Uh, Next week against Idaho. Who did they play last week? UNLV, Idaho. Idaho, yeah. They were a yeah, six-point dog, and they won outright. Right, and, and I had them even, like, I showed a lot of value on them, and obviously that comes in large part due to the fact that my model didn't account for the F, 
CS loss, but but it was enough that I was still confident because I know my model's not going to like react like eight points to one game. So Iowa State's ten and a half point favorite over Akron right now. So you yeah, still see some value there. Oh, for sure. So let's move into the NFL, and I would love you know to touch again on New England. How much has New England moved in your power ratings or in your futures picks? Well, Jeff, they stay number one, but they've lost a ton of ground. Uh, more than two points, actually, which is a lot. Uh, they're, and Kansas City moved up a ton, too. In fact, overall, in this first week, I feel like there's a lot of big moves, a lot more than, than any, uh, any year I remember going from week one to two. Is there any reason for that, or it's just sort of like because the futures bets haven't moved that much, right? There's still Pats plus four sixty five, then Steelers plus six hundred, then Packers plus eight ten, and Seahawks plus eight seventy five. So Pats moved a lot in. I, th- I mean, I thought they were like three to one last week. They yeah, they they have moved a lot, but I guess I'm saying like relative to each other. So it sounds like maybe now uh, Kansas City might have some value to you. Let's see what Kansas Kansas City, City has great value. I. I I completely agree. Now, no, this is an interesting. Uh, the futures is an interesting topic this week, Jeff. I think, you know, I looked at the Massey. P- I run the Massey Peabody simulations, and I looked at at what what I, where I'd value in Vegas and offshore. And I actually was interested in looking and seeing what ESPN FPI had and like what Football Outsiders had for some of these and how they reacted. And there was some there are some teams where we like drastically differ. And Kansas City, like I think they're eight plus eighteen fifty, eighteen and a half yep. to one. Uh, at least with on the sheet you sent me prior to us recording this, I make them eleven point four to one. So that shows great shows great value. But ESPN's FPI has them as the Super Bowl favorites and think they they're gonna they have a twenty percent chance to win the Super Bowl, which to me is ludicrous. Which would See, imply like a five hundred percent well more than that expected value. That's the problem that I have with ESPN's FPI. I mean, we talk about this all the time. They don't pass the laugh test often, and you know, obviously, like I think one of the things that you're good about is when your stuff doesn't pass the laugh test, you're very clear on saying like, hey, these are the limitations here or there. I feel like the guys that do FPI are standing a little bit too much on their soapbox at times when their stuff doesn't really make sense. Yeah, I mean, none of this is fact. You and I both know that. It's not blackjack where right. we know that these are the probabilities. It's we're, we're making estimates. We, we're making assumptions. But then again, there are times, right, as you said, where my model sort of doesn't pass the laugh test with like Cincinnati. I make them 63 to one still. I know you're going to laugh at that. And, but F, FPI makes them less than 0.1%. Although, well, I mean, I, I, Cincinnati I was well one game. This is, this is the NFL. Anyone can look terrible in one game. So I don't, I don't laugh at that for you, to be honest. Like, I think that's probably closer to where you were before when you were at what, 20 to one or 25 to one or something like that. Um, but you know, certainly Cincinnati looked terrible against Baltimore, but I, I, I did think Baltimore was have a much better defense this year than, than they've had in the past. And, you know, I, I think it's, well, it's good. Well, yeah, I know you're right. Well, I mean, Baltimore is a good team, but in Cincinnati's offense was very bad, but four interceptions, like in a fumble lost, those are things that are generally, I don't want to say correctable because that implies it's a skill that you can correct, but there is skill involved in it, but obviously there's not as much skill in turnovers as there is in, you know, getting yards per play. And Cincinnati was kind of awful at yards per play too, but their defense actually played pretty well. They were in the 64th percentile uh, overall relative to historical games in, in yards per play allowed. 
And I mean, yeah, they were they were still slightly subpar, but it was basically the offense that let them down. It's pretty interesting this Kansas City move, just simply because like you very seldomly would think that after such a publicly you know great performance of a team that you would actually start getting value on that team after that. But that that's essentially what you're saying. Yeah, I think that I don't. Do you remember what the market was on Kansas City going into this? Uh, going into week one, I don't remember. I but don't. I, think I mean, maybe they're like one of those teams, like a, I don't know, one of these teams where you don't really see Alex Smith ever being able to win a Super Bowl. Like he's he's a game manager. They can sure they can grind out wins, but they're not going to be able to. They're not actually going to be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, but you're also probably seeing like futures markets not being the you know biggest or most um, most quick to react markets. Um, you know, like probably the game lines where I know that their line, their game this week has moved, I think since, since the open in their favor. So maybe we're just not seeing it in the futures market yet. No, I think you're right about that. And and I've noticed over the years, especially in Las Vegas, that those markets are slow to react. And if a team had a big win and moved up a lot in my power ratings, and then as a result, their odds to win the Super Bowl increased, there's oftentimes value there. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Faderade or myths. And I want to talk a little bit. We, we talk about him on this pod, and you and I kind of joked about him before we got on. Steve Fezzik obviously is a very popular, very well-known tout. He works with RJ Bell at pregame, um, sells his picks, which is something that, that you and I have, have been public about, not believing in, selling picks, etc. Um, he makes a big point all the time to talk about every team having a different home field advantage. And he even made the point this week when talking about the Atlanta Green Bay game that he does not want to give a home field to Atlanta until he sees what it's going to be like in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. I don't know. I mean, I guess he's going to see how loud they are or he's going to like measure the decibels or he's going to see how good the T-shirt shooters are at hitting people in the head. Like, I I don't Uh know exactly what it means, but I know that I've heard him say that like home court or home field, like in places like Green Bay can be up as large as like four points and other places like Jacksonville can be as small as like one point. So what do you think about this? Obviously, do you believe that there's that variety in home field advantages? You know, I believe there is some variety, but I don't think it's that large. And I don't think it has to do. I don't think knowing about the dome has anything to do uh, do with it. Although the one interesting, I mean, it, home field advantage is a really interesting field, I think, because it's there's been a lot of research on it. and Nobody really knows exactly where it comes from. I mean, there's a lot of theories. There's fa- the fil- familiarity. There's officiating bias. There's crowd. There's travel distance, weather, all that. But but nobody's been able to really say exactly for sure. Now I, well, I you, do. Sorry. When you model it, what are, what do you model for NFL and what do you model for college? Well, over the years, I just used straight two point four for NFL, and I assumed that any um, basically differences are going to be small and not really worth modeling. Now, I, I, why I assumed that is because I like over the well a few years ago, I went through and tried to actually see if there were systematic differences. Like I used a a Bayesian method nerd alert here called um, hierarchical linear modeling. We need a we need like a nerd alert. Modeling. We we, we, we need that sound. Somebody. Yeah. We somebody. also need like a puke sound when when Steve Fezzik's name comes up. Or we need a puke sound when we're betting or talking to bet on like the Jets, which I'm sure we're going to be doing a lot this year. You know it. 
Yeah. Yes. So I so I so basically was trying to see if there actually are systematic differences in home field advantage. And by the way, when I say home field advantage, it also you can it, it basically also means road field disadvantage too. I mean, right. it's hard to it's hard to measure a team's power rating and their home field advantage without them having a road field disadvantage. I'm really bad at explaining this stuff, but well, this is like honestly, this is like the core of why uh, analytics people get bad raps because sitting here trying to figure out like these microscopic differences in small sample sets of something like home field advantage when there's so many factors that make it almost impossible to do a real analysis on this. Like, how do you actually determine like the sam- like the- with eight games a year against different opponents against so many different variables you can't control? It seems really hard to do a range of like one to four in terms of home field advantage. Like that just, it seems like crazy, terrible pseudoscience to me. Um, in terms of college football, what it's the number that you use is that I assume that that's larger like than two, NFL. 2.8, I think, but wait back to NFL though. I, I got to finish my story here about how I developed. I, I, so I found random effects and I did find like, I found that for example, the Ravens had the strongest home field advantage. I don't remember who was the least strong. Uh, I think the Redskins were close, maybe Carolina. But the funny thing is, like, so, so there, were, there were significant differences. They were small but significant, but the problem is they didn't actually persist. So you can say, oh, this team had a greater home field advantage in the past, but that doesn't mean it's going to persist. Right. And that's, I, I, that's the worst kind of thing, right? Because it's not predictive, oh, yeah. so it's unuseful. It's maybe, there maybe is some like, causation that caused that, but it's not predictable going forward. Right. I, I will say I don't use the standard 2.4 points anymore. I Last year, I did some uh, research and basically got stadium coordinates and scraped all the historical weather data. And I use travel distance weather stuff and you know latitude, longitude, etc. Um, well, that- but still, I, and I'm not going to give away exactly how I do it. But but still, the differences are. I think the this week, I think the biggest home field advantage any team ha- has is three point three point two, and the smallest is like one point eight. So it's still Fairly minor, Got but it. and a lot of that comes from. I mean, I mean, I don't think I'm giving anything away. Maybe I am when I say that home field is small. Home field advantage is smaller in divisional games because there's a lot more familiarity there. Well, I think I think what you're giving away and and, and what people talk about a lot is just the idea that like, I mean, what's interesting to me is that you're actually saying that this is variable based on the competitor. It's a dynamic situation. It's probably variable based on travel. It's variable based on a lot of things. And this probably brings me to sort of this second um, thing that I'd love to talk about. Um, in in looking at this Patriots um, game coming up this week, playing against the Saints, uh, this is a very rare situation where you get the Patriots on a nine-day rest versus the um, Saints on a five-day rest. Do you think this is reflected in the line? Is this a big difference? Like, does this rest matter? Well, yeah, the rest matters. I think it. It's like half of a bye week, basically. And and, and how much is the value of a bye week? A point and a half. And w- w- the last time I actually ran the numbers on this, like thir- having coming off a Thursday game came out to three quarters of a point. I was like, this is so perfect. It's half of a. It really is about half of a bye week. It makes intuitive sense. And, so we could yeah. basically say that almost every additional day of rest is like X amount of points. Exactly. Do you have any idea like 
of, I mean, obviously it's a tiny, there's, there's probably very little sample size of any on this, this idea of Miami's first game versus the Chargers um, having played a game and certainly played on Monday night, Do, which would you say rust or rest there? Well, I'm giving Miami credit for a bye week because technically it was a bye week. You know, they had, and, you know, the bigger thing is the Chargers did play. So they're going to be more banked up. So they have an advantage of freshness there. Uh, I don't know if I'm right doing that, but that's what I did. Yeah. And I think that like the pseudoscience thing is, is where we get into some very sort of interesting um, conversations because like, again, on Fezzik, well, we're sort of fading him or featuring him today as who we're kind of talking about. But he made a point in the podcast today that he had with RJ Bell to say like, that that in those limited situations where you have this like Thursday game versus Monday night game and you have this disparity in rest that it's only like 16 and 18 or something against the spread so essentially no value but 16 and, and 18 what, right i mean that that i think that's such an awful way of looking at it it's like saying oh is there a clear bias in the market and biases in the market don't necessarily persist going forward markets tend toward efficiency what you want to do is actually you, use that, power ratings and say like does this actually have a quantitative effect in the way a team plays? I think that's a lot harder just looking than at counting up to 16 or counting oh, yeah. up to 18. Of course, it requires so, actual analytics and doing actual work. Right. Which yeah, is sorry. which is hard. So, we don't want to do is. that cuz that sounds hard. That's why we have you cuz you can do it for us. Um, so let's go into our super contest picks. Um, let's see. We have to get up the handy uh, sports action app, uh, which will give us our super contest picks. Uh, last week, we were actually two and two. I kind of blame myself. I thought we were do better than that. Two. What's that? I thought we were going to do better, given, like, I guess we just didn't get the, I guess, what do we get I mean, Jets at? Like, eight, we, we didn't get nine and a half. We got eight and a half. We didn't, so, get, right? we didn't get the good lines. We didn't get the good lines. Yeah. I, I, I guess a lot of my stuff. I mean, the Massey, like when I released it for Massey Peabody, it covered by like, a, I had a few that covered like by a, by an itsy bitsy margin. Yes. And if but, we were like, a, if we were like a traditional sports pod, gambling podcast, we'd say, that's why it's really important that you shop for the best line. Yeah, dipshits, <laughs> of course. I'd rather bet a worse line than a better line. Um, if you're not trying to get the best line, you're obviously never going to win in sports betting. But that's what they say. Yeah. But I definitely like, one of the problems, and again, this is like the the reason that it's bad to sell picks. It's because if you're good, you're never going to be able to sell your best pick to to many people because you're going to move the market and they're not going to get it. And people always go like, "Oh, well, what does a half a point matter?" Well, it matters enough that it can take you know your 55% win percentage down to 52, which is the difference between you know winning and losing. Yeah, I don't think people necessarily understand that ecosystem, the ecosystem of selling picks and, and the fact that the only people that can sort of sustain doing that are losers. Because if you're winning, you're moving the lines too much. People are getting pissed off. You know, you're offering a bad product. And the only way to, if you're not moving lines, you're, or if the lines aren't moving towards you, um, well, actually, I should say, if you are successful, eventually you will start moving lines, uh, which will cannibalize your, your clients. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't sell picks, but I, I released uh, college football. I released NFL picks on Massey Peabody for free, kind of to show, hey, don't pay for picks. You know, these are picks that have won long term, and they're free. But we did college football for I think two or three years. And the the last year, I would post the picks, and I'd then watch my screen light up with every bet we every pick we 
posted, the line moved about a point like immediately on release. And I was like, okay, I'm done with this. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's let's recap. So from last week, the reason we did we went two two and one, and again I blame myself because we probably should have taken Cleveland, which was an ugly pick, and I decided to take the 49ers instead, which seemed to be an even uglier pick. I I felt like I felt like a little bit vindicated because at least that line moved in my favor. We it went from five and a half to four and a half, but certainly the results were not good. Um, so going into this week, I mean, I think like it is pretty simple for us. Do you have your two picks that you want? Um, I actually, I, you know, I have. I'm not sure what the the lines are exactly. So I can tell you, uh, I have them in front of but, me. So go ahead. By the way, you know what? You're right about the the fact that the line moved. I mean, pro, like just because the pick didn't win doesn't mean it was a bad pick. I'm yeah, not saying I, it was a good I, pick. I I think the I think the 49ers. Well, who knows? I, who knows? I personally still think Cleveland was the better pick, but that's. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, that's but why was, I had it as a pick on Massey Peabody. It's hard. It's hard to pick Cleveland sometimes. It really is. It's, I'll tell it's you, hard. Cleveland it, is not going to be a pick for me this week. Okay. So what are what are you going to go with? You're going to go with Jets. Uh, the Jets plus. Yeah. Let's see here. The Jets plus fourteen. Plus fourteen. I love it. Okay. Favorite favorite pick of the week. And what do you have? What else do you have? You need. You get two. Ah. Uh, you know, I kind of wanted. I don't want to take something that you're going to take, too. I want to take... This is a little game theory here. But we're you know, on the same I'll, team, Rufus. I know, I know, but I, I, want, to, I want maximum influence over this right. process. So I, I'm, I'm between Miami and New Orleans here. Those are both pretty strong picks for me. Well, you can take New Orleans because you know I'm a Patriots fan. I will do that. So, okay, so they're at plus six, and, six and, a and a half. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take Miami. I actually really like Miami. I think, like, if you look at the Chargers' uh, yards per play last week, um, it was pretty low. That, that game, obviously, anyone that watched it, it was it, it turned on a couple big, you know, turnovers that made it look a lot closer than it was. I think the Chargers were are a team that the a lot of people preseason really like, and I think you're getting value on Miami here, especially if you're right about this being sort of like a buy type. Uh, situation. Um, I'm going to also put in Jacksonville. We're getting some value there because the line here is two and a half um, over over Tennessee. Um, so we're getting uh, two and a half. I like Jacksonville's defense. I think people aren't are going to be they're going to be slow to believe in Jacksonville, obviously because they've been bad for so long. Um, and then we need a we need a fifth pick, Rufus. What do you, you know, think? I, you took the ones I liked. You know. Okay. Let's see. Is there any leans that you have at least? Ooh, I don't think so. We could. How game theoretical do we want to be at this point? I mean, Chicago plus seven, I would assume, has some value in your eyes. Mm, no, not really. Well, what's the Minnesota line? Actually, I mean, that is a lean. You're right, because it's the seven. I mean, I make it five and a half, but actually, because of the value of the seven, that is. Minnesota's I mean, five, five, Minnesota's yeah. five and a half. I wouldn't yeah, okay. mind taking Minnesota. I make that 3.74, but at the same time, there's still more value in Chicago plus seven than there is Minnesota plus five and a half, even though there's a bigger difference in the lines in Minnesota. All right, we'll have to get so, into that on a future pod, but... What do you, uh, okay. what, what do you like there? I'm, I'm fine with either of those. I Chicago? like Minnesota just because like, I think that... I think Pittsburgh is tending to be overrated. Um, obviously, that there was a lot more value in that line earlier in the week, um, but still 
liking i mean that's likely one where we'll have my guess is we'll have value over the closing line don't you see that going down a little bit versus going up um yeah i hope so i'm fine with that all right let's take minnesota so to recap we're gonna have minnesota uh plus five and a half we're gonna have uh let's see here the jets plus 14 we're gonna have miami plus four we're gonna have new orleans plus six and a half and then we're gonna have jacksonville plus two and a half so again we have four under five underdogs the solid slate that's just our that's just our thing uh okay so finally let's move on to survivor uh the survivor picks this week uh last week just to recap uh, rufus did not survive he oh took my god his cincinnati Bengals, which were his team and uh i did survive taking a buffalo team that obviously uh, was very popular but didn't have a lot of future value um, and he um, took a Cincinnati team where he was trying a bit of game theory. So this week, again, there's, there's some interesting picks. Last week, actually, an interesting one. I have two survivor picks, full disclosure, and I ended up taking the Rams with my second survivor pick, um, and uh, that ended up, you know, obviously, like in Monday morning quarterback looking pretty good, but those types of situations early on to take chances, I think, are something that, that I, I like. Um, I took the wrong my- chance, though. <laughs> My pick this week, actually, uh, is uh, I think there's some good candidates. Obviously, um, the big top five in terms of probably, uh, you know, like popularity, win percentage, those type things are Seattle um, against San Francisco, Baltimore against Cleveland, Tampa Bay against Chicago, Oakland against the Jets, and Carolina against Buffalo. Oakland is obviously a, a decent one because it's it's got a high win probability and Oakland doesn't have a ton of future value. I mean, the the next time you could see using Oakland is maybe at home. I mean, they don't really have very much future value. So for me, I probably will go with Oakland, even though they are popular. I think early on, I guess I don't mind taking a popular pick if I don't think they have a lot of future value. Um, another interesting one, I think, is Cincy tonight against Houston. Um, again, not a lot of future value. The only time you could see using them is in week 12, really, when they're at home against Cleveland. Um, so I think either of those are, are pretty solid picks. Do you have your game theory survivor pick? Well, does Baltimore have a lot of future value, Jeff? Uh, yeah, they have a fair amount of future value. They, I mean, they, no, they have... You Where? would probably use them... You could use them in week six at home against Chicago, but it sounds like we believe that Chicago is... is And then week 16, you could see using them against Indy, depending on what the Andrew Luck situation is. So yeah, I mean, Baltimore is, is certainly a, a pretty good pick this week also. Well, the funny thing is, I think this week, I actually think Baltimore is a little underrated. I make that line uh, minus 10.6. And by underrated, I mean underrated relative to the betting market, which somebody's pointed out to me. The survivor pool market is a very different market than the betting market. So... I just always assumed that there would be a correlation. So, you know, a team that's undervalued by the or overvalued in the betting market is probably going to be overvalued in Survivor. But, but yeah, I mean, I Baltimore. Also, from what I'm looking at, I mentioned this last week. SurvivorGrid.com is like a really great website to look at Survivor stuff. But it looks like they're about 11 percent in terms of popularity. Baltimore is the top one is Oakland at around close to 50 percent, and then Seattle at about 20 percent. So they're the third most popular team. Um, but again, like I feel like somewhat 
early pop early in the early in the thing this popularity is a little bit less value less less important and i don't have any math to back that but that's just my thought yeah well you know i i think seattle's the best bet you know i have them 88 percent to win i only have baltimore at 80 80 80.4 80. but but i don't even have a pick because i'm already eliminated no you can pick baltimore so your pick this week I'll is take baltimore, baltimore. take baltimore yeah, my pick this week, I am going to go with I'm going to go with Cincinnati because Wait, I thought you were taking Oakland. Are, oh, actually this I can't go with Cincinnati because that's tonight and people aren't going to hear this podcast till tomorrow. I thought so you're going with Oakland. Useless. Yeah, I'll go with Oakland. I'll I think that's an awful pick personally, but that's that's fine. It's fine. But it's a, it's I'm a hedge Doug, against it's a hedge against I'm Doug Kazarian. You are just supposed to survive, Rufus. You're supposed to survive. That's my uh, And take Seattle. Freaking Thirteen half point favorite. Yeah, but they have, I, they have too much future value. Seattle has like a true. ton of future value. And and I don't know why, even though my numbers don't show it, but that game against San Fran scares me. It's a divisional game, and it just anecdotally it feels like Seattle struggles sometimes in those games. <laughs> but then again, that is why I don't bet based on my gut. Exactly. All right, so let's recap uh, what we talked about today. Uh, we talked on college where we believe that Ohio State is probably rightly priced at 10-1. to 1. Uh, We don't see any value in the Clemson-Louisville game. Uh, we see value in Pittsburgh getting 13.5 against Oklahoma State. Uh, we wished we were like Rufus and got them at plus 14. We see some value in Iowa State minus 10.5 uh, at Akron. Uh, moving on to the NFL, we actually see some value in futures again. We see Kansas City at 18 to 1, a little bit more than 18 to 1 to win the Super Bowl as having some value, uh, which is which is cool. So in terms of our super contest picks, we have New Orleans plus six and a half, Jacksonville plus two and a half, the Miami Dolphins plus four, the Jets plus fourteen, and the Minnesota Vikings plus five and a half. And that is the one we shared in common. And then finally, as our survivor picks, which we just touched on. I am going to take the Jets, which is a terrible, popular, non-buzzy, non-smart pick. And Rufus is going to take Baltimore, which I think is actually a much better pick. Um, So I wish I had said that, but who knows. Uh, And I think that's it for this week. Rufus, you got anything else to say? That's it. Greetings from Croatia. Yeah, greetings from Croatia. Greetings from the, uh, the world of gambling. And we'll talk to you next week.